back. Uh, ha. Uh, I've swapped cables. This one is a little longer, so I've got to do some you could, you could repositioning. Sit, like all the way over there. I could. Talk it, would, to us. it would make this very strange. <laughs> Social distance podcasting. I mean, but we're, in the we're same already room. far enough apart, I feel like. Yeah, we could high five with our feet. Yeah. Let's not. We're not going to spray particles on each other this way. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 66 of Hey Brew, the podcast about the kind of stories that you tell when you've had a couple in the pub. My name is Elliot Spirit. My name is Mike Jeffcott. Do you ever use full names? No, that's always just first name. And we, Fuck. That, that, I, it was going to, I just fancied doing it smoothly for once, and also I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, and that late night radio voice that you did, I, I felt compelled to follow up with. It's that bit on um, The Boat That Rocked is like... And now, uh, a young man who's really quite good at guitar, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, good movie. Have you not seen it? No, I haven't. It's Katie's favorite. Okay. It's not that good, obviously, but... <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's all right. It's a Richard Curtis movie. Okay. It's like Notting Hill and stuff. Okay. Um, what? Right. This is a weird intro. Well, what are we doing? <laughs> well, have you been here for the last 65? <laughs> have you Plus been on specials? this podcast? Could I be any more on task? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes? Uh, yes, is the answer. Yeah. Yes. Mike, you drink beer. I certainly do. Dunley Goodens. Yes, I've had I've had a real week of it, uh, shall we say. Um, <laughs> Wednesday. <Tuesday. laughs> had a real week of it. Fucked. I mean, no, the last seven days. The last seven hours. The last seven days, I've, I've, ha- I've had a real... Uh, re- You've had a beer or two. I've had a beer or two. It's re-emerging back into going to pubs and things a little more heavily. Um, let me run you through my, my last week. So Wednesday, uh, last week, it was Tuesday for those of you at home. Uh, Playing along. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Wednesday last week, I went back to a favorite, the Park Hotel in Abbotsford. Mm. Um, Two-word, baby cheeseburger spring rolls definitely happened um i'm not going to keep banging that drum Mm-mm. but i will uh yeah. yeah had just had a um i don't remember what i had there fuck it an ipa i'm guessing um <laughs> statistically i didn't even check it in i was so late i was actually just there catching up with a friend so um just what? time got away God, from me you've you know? changed oh, i know um then oh what was i doing friday night i went to great northern hotel sick another I've been there in classic favorite yeah and now that i live kind of not quite on the other side of town to it it's certainly not as convenient as it used to be for yeah. me it's a bit of a treat um yeah and i was uh, just catching up with a friend that lives sort of in the area so he booked it not knowing i've moved to where i live now and i was like yeah i'll go to the i'll go to the great northern i don't care Five thirty on a friday it's a bit tricky but i'll make Let's it work try and make it yeah yeah um but no i got uh got on a couple of was it uh, the bent spoke crankshaft? I don't think I've had that on tap. It's very good. Bent spoke crankshaft yeah. might be the best IPA in the country. Ooh. The best standard IPA in the country. Like okay. always available. Okay. It's a big claim. Yeah. Um, I'll have to come back to you on that. But I think if, if, if I was going to go. standing by it. If, if we want to limit it to uh, Canberra based breweries, I'd probably put. Uh, capital above well, them personally. I was going to say, because Capital's IPA is also really good. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> they got to do something right in Canberra. Like, they're both good. Yeah. If you can find it, get it. Um, Saturday, did a sort of Friendsgiving thing with some uh, American friends of mine. 
Um, I think they had about ten people at their at their place. I, I bought a bunch of American beers from yeah, nice. from the Purvis that is actually close to my house. Oh, yeah. I just I just went and winged it. Um, they were yeah, I actually booked it for pickup in Richmond, and the guy texts me and he's like. I'm going to the to the Surrey Hills store. Do you want me to just put it there? Because that's closer to where you live. I was like, but one, so kind of creepy, but two, appreciate the service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big into that. But yeah, then I realized that it's actually got a really decent beer selection. It is decent. But their website, got a fridge as well. Yeah, but their, beer, their, their website just refers to the Surrey Hills store as like their wine store. So I was like, well, well they must just offload all the beer to Richmond. Well, I had to... Oh, this is a really boring admin, but I had to ring Richmond today to find out if they had the beer I wanted to pick up right. in the Surrey Hills one. Mm. They didn't have it cold. I ended up getting something else. Right. Um, mm. It's a good story, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't really everything else. But I had, uh, what did I have? Uh, an IPA from Barrier. I don't know Barrier. Uh, neither did I, but it was good. I got it because it just had an American flag as the print on the can. It was great. Bell on the nose, but um, fuck it. Yeah, and a... Oh, I had it just on my brain. Uh, a brewery called Clown Shoes. Oh, they can make great stuff. Yeah. So it was called Josh the Guava King. And it was like a guava hazy kind of thing. Yeah, nice. Um, and then I got a six pack from Stone mm-hmm. of the Imperial Star Forker, which I think is a great name. Nice. Um, it's like a 9% kind of hazy. You got a six pack of that. Yeah. Christ. I've still got some left. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but between all the, all the, you know, the turkey and, the, and all the other food, there wasn't a lot of room for beer. Yeah. Uh, but I had a good time. Yeah, it sounds good. And then obviously Sunday, we went Sunday, out to Healesville. Sunday, Sunday. Um, bit of a drive with the lads. Yeah. We, what, what started out as a small jaunt? Well, it was for me because yeah. I came home at 3 p.m. It's probably a good decision. I got I, home at 10. I don't know how you did that, honestly. It, it, I've, it has boggled my mind since you said that you got home at 10.30 at night. Like, you don't know how I managed it or how I took so long? Both. Because <laughs> I, I didn't think you were planning to do that much more. Yeah. I can answer your second question by saying, it's me, baby. Okay. That's how I managed to make it last so right. long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I can tell you, but it's not worth a podcast. Okay. Tell me later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we stopped at Watts River Brewing in Healesville, um, not far from the old Four Pillars Gin Distillery. Yeah. Just a um, really solid brewery. Yeah, just real nice. I don't know. So I, was, I was talking about this after the trip. I don't know if I've actually seen their stuff outside of their own brewery. Once or twice. Yeah. At small beer festivals. Yeah, right. Uh, including maybe Brewer's Feast, which I don't think okay. you've been to, have you? I have not. Fuck, we got to go this year. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think it's already just been. Um, and the other time, I think it was like in an IBA, IGA in Healesville or something. Sure. Which is 20 meters away. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be doing pretty well for what looks like limited distribution of their product. Yeah, because you know? it's a tourist spot. They must get oh, yeah. pretty well. They would get... You know, maybe they, they serve the local pubs as well. they had like, what, a dozen different beers on their list? Yeah, including those mixed beers, which is really interesting. Yeah, those... I didn't try one. TJ had one. Yeah. He had the hop top, which, which was like one fifth pills and a four fifths IPA. Yeah. Which was like, what are you doing? I don't know. Yeah. It tasted all right. I don't think it tasted particularly like, wow, that's a mad mix or anything. Yeah. But one of them was like Russian Imperial Stout quarter and something else. Right. I was like, interesting. Okay. That's- I think on the day I referred to it as a shandy, but it's just beer with a different beer in it. Yeah. Cause it- Randy. Is that? No, I don't. Anyway, Brett, no wait, Bandy. 
That sucks. Um, <laughs> just bow banding. Just steamrolling my own joke into the ground. Um, <laughs> no, I'm out. Yeah, turns the mic off. Bail this. Um, but yeah, so it's been a good like uh, sort of f- what four or five day stretch there where I was just doing something and there was beer involved. Doing beers. Yeah, yeah. doing beers. It's a good time. Yeah, it's been all right. And you? <laughs> that was uh, a lot of me talking uh, about beer. Jeez, do you know? Um, what did I do Friday? I don't even fucking recall. No, no cheeky after work drinks, something like that. I think I worked from home on Friday. You can still do after work drinks. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the bloody <laughs> hell I did. What the frigging hell? I caught up with someone. Oh no, I went to a dinner party. Right. Um, and yeah, I, it was a wine thing, so I, so I just didn't lose my mind. So didn't I had a beer, but great I beer. Well, wine. I had a good beer. I just don't remember what it was. I didn't, and I had um, I had triple fruit goza by. Um, okay a brewery from Leeds I think they called like Beer North that was mm-hmm. pretty nice right. um, and then like I had an IPA when I got there and then I just necked wine like I got out of fashion well um, but then um, yeah the, the the beers on Sunday mm-hmm. delightful had a good few um, it was a good it, it it'd be remiss not to say it was a cracking day for it Hey, it was what, 23 <laughs> degrees or something? Yeah. Not a cloud in the sky. We had a really fun drive. Yeah. Um, and then we had some beers and pizza and a mysterious Australian thing called Nuts and Bolts where they put cereal and nuts in a bowl and you eat them. Oh, I forgot Fucking about that. Fucking weird, but it kind of works. I've never seen it anywhere else. I, I just... Straya, baby. It was what? Peanuts and Nutri-Grain, Nutri-Grain. Yep. in a bowl. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I... Pff- it's a strange country for yeah. strange people. I need to start surveying people that are from here to see if that's normal. This is why when people like the English or the New Zealanders come here, they can do so well because Australians are fucking unhinged. Yeah. So we can just be normal and succeed. Yeah. <laughs> We're exotic. Yeah. Um, your fucking weird ideas of not putting nuts in your cereal and sealing your nuts. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Oh, no, I'm not bother. I was no. going to say nuts in your cereal is at least a normal thing. But I mean, Who knows? Anyway, beers. Uh, yeah, I, I think... I can't think of what other beers I've been drinking over the week. I must have behaved. Maybe. What an error. I mean, it sounds like you had a night on the wine. Well, that that is... You know, on a Friday night, that might be prime beer drinking time. Yeah, that's it. And then obviously during the week, I didn't do much. And then what did I do last weekend? Oh, it's all just such a mess. Yeah. It was a long time ago and I've slept since then. I've got a terrible memory. Fair enough. Good (laughs) gravy. Um, Um, We should probably uh, wrap up the thing from last episode the, the yes, terrible Mike. terrible bet you made yes mother I don't remember what the bet was it was about the almond king that's right the yes the almond beer that I that was trillium and you you thought it was what you thought it was hazelnut that's yeah, right I just didn't I just couldn't picture almonds on the packaging yeah it ruined my own life yeah so what I've had to do folks is <laughs> I've had to give to Mike um, my last remaining can of Garage Projects into the void Miso Sa- uh, Miso Imperial Stout, which is annoying for a number of different reasons. One, it's fucking awesome. Two, me and my partner really like it. I was going to share it with her. Uh-huh. And have, three, you, have you broken the news to her yet? No. Okay. And three, I don't like to lose. Uh-huh. Four, I don't think you can get it anymore. No, you cannot. So I'm I mean, gonna, I, I, have to I never go, got it. Well, so. I'm going to have to go to where I got it because I got it a little while after it sold out right, everywhere else right. and see if they still have it. Maybe. Or beer trade online for it. I don't know. 
that a thing? I was going to say, is that a thing? I, I assume that's I, I wouldn't be doing it for that, but yeah. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is, fuck you. Don't gamble. Sorry. Gamble responsibly. That's Don't gamble way. unless you're Elliot against me because you lose. <laughs> well, yeah. It's worked out very well for me. Yeah, I don't know why I trusted my memory over literally anybody else's. Yeah, you just spent like five minutes going over how bad your memory is. Yeah. <laughs> as well as time before we started recording. It's pretty unbelievable. It's so bad that I had to get Mike to remind me to bring it. Yeah. Um, but then when I did, you were like, don't worry, I've got it. <laughs> Maybe that was just you lying to me to save face. <laughs> I did frequently. <laughs> Furiously searching for it online. I've just canned up a, a furphy in the can for you. I would actually not be mad at that chat if you did that. I mean, it would be very funny, but I'd feel <laughs> terrible about that. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sir, you are victorious. Please enjoy that. It is oh, I will. fantastic. As, as we careen into summer, I will drink this very dark, very heavy beer. Yeah. Thank you. I want to see you drink on like a 40 degree day in the park. You know what? I'll do it <laughs> for you. No, I want you to enjoy it because it's no, really good. To, to make you feel better about losing it, I'm going to make myself not enjoy the beer. I would feel worse about yeah. that. <laughs> it's like it's being wasted. It's like as if you open it in front of me and just poured it into the dog bowl. <laughs> the dog just gets Killy blasted. Killy fucking love it. Yeah. It's no. Black sesame miso stout. It's incredible, but yeah. folks. I Yeah. I, like when I saw that, that listing when it first came out, I was like, I don't know if that's for me. I, I don't know is. if that's flavors I would enjoy in a beer. And now I get to, to try that out for free. <laughs> I'm, I'm still mad about it. Yeah. Fair. I'm, I'm just I'm just seeing if it's available you, online. You're looking it up right now. Yeah. This is uh Chocolate Miso Black Sesame. That's the one. Out of stock. Yep. Out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Just scrolling through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you hand me a tissue? There's tears all over my laptop. <laughs> for different reasons. Yep. So I guess on to today's beer then. Yes. Sadness. I mean, we, have, sadness. we looks, have one each. Looks good. Yeah. 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 I almost bought a big can. Then I was like, there's two small cans of it. Yes. Very um, good. Oh, what? What? Collaboration with Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn. Am I supposed to know who that is? No, nor do I. Baseballist. Okay. But we've got... <laughs> a baseballsman. <laughs> baseball bag. Um, <laughs> San Diego's <laughs> Alesmith 0.394 Pale Ale. Very good. I'm assuming that is his batting average. Yes. Um, I don't know what that means, but I know that that's a number that might be a batting do average. Do you want me to explain it? Not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, 0.394 plays tribute to the city that Tony loved and the career high batting average he achieved in 94. Point to you. Thank you. Discover what happens when Hall of Fame perfectionist crafts a beer with a world-class brewery. I mean, big claim for yourselves. Yeah. Um, they are really good, actually. Alesmith are fantastic. I don't think I've had anything from them. Yeah, I enjoy. Uh, bright citrus and tropical fruit notes, a subdued bitterness and a multi-sweet finish. Well, mm. I, d- I have to say, I do appreciate the artwork. It's real 70s, the, the, Yeah, the it? colour scheme. It's kind of that, that orange, gold, and brown, and beige. Yeah. Um, it's pretty rad. You, do you remember Kenny Lover across the road from Carlin's Cellars? Yeah, Sellers? big... big it's time. like that. Friend that of mine got actually, married and had like either photos or their dinner there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so cool. hot chips and weird ice cream. Pretty, I mean, yeah, pretty great. I'm into that as like wedding food. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's open it up. All right. Let's open up this pit. Easy. Thank you. It's a lot, uh, sort of browner than I thought it would be, but I'm into it. Browner makes it sound terrible, but 
Well, actually, I like brown ale, so maybe Yeah, not, it's but. kind of that, like, you know, rich orange-brown kind of color. Yeah, it looks like... Uh, I always use honey as an example, because I yeah. think a lot of beers look at, like, different kinds of honey. Yes. But it's like that ambery... Yes. Mm. What, what, what style are they calling this? San Diego-style pale ale. Pale ale. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Looks I like- wouldn't describe it as particularly pale, ironically. Yeah. It's got a bloody good head on it. Look at Listen, that. Golden pale ale. Sure. All right. Yes, I've got does. a good inch and a half ahead yeah, here. You've done well. Shall we have a little sip? Put it in our faces. Yes. Ooh. You certainly smell the malt. Mmm. That is very tasty. Yes, it is. It's oh. It's a real good little West Coast pale. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like thinner in the mouth than I was expecting it based on how much the malt smell is present. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, th- usually when, when you smell that much malt coming off a beer, you expect something a little bit more, I don't know, chewy or thicker. Yeah. Something yeah. Like, like an ESB or that kind yeah, of... Yeah, to you be know very I mean? malt-driven, but yeah. it's, it's it's not. It's got good good sweetness to it. I think... Um, I know that it's maybe a bit of a stupid or maybe even like kind of basic or obvious thing to say because it's a San Diego pale, mm. but it, it's like a baby West Coast IPA. Yeah, there's like, not a, there's not that huge hit of like hop bitterness. Yeah, from that, I could sit and drink pints and pints of that. I oh, think that would be quite easy because that is it's not like blow your tits off flavors, but it's also six percent as well. So it's not yeah, it's not weak, but it's not blow your tits off strength either. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's rather pleasant. I, it is nice. I'm just gonna, I just I keep wanting to go back to it. Wet my whistle. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. They do it in large cans. <laughs> cans. 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 Um, and I do like large cans. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, no, that's that's just, yeah, it just tastes like, it's like everything that makes a West Coast IPA just not muted, because that makes it sound like they've done it badly or something, but it's like, yeah. they've just like, they've just dialed it back slightly to just make it a bit more sort of sessionable. Yeah, like as I've taken a couple more sips, that hot bitterness is certainly present but yeah to your point it's not standing out no as the main thing that i'm getting yeah i'm getting uh, a little bit of that like little burn in the back of the throat that's probably somewhere between the hop and the and and the six percent because six percent is not yeah not insignificant yeah um that is just really really tasty it is certainly doing the thing that i find with a lot of like very hop bitter kind of beers is that that dryness that comes after that that makes you want to keep drinking more of it? Yeah, it's doing. It's certainly doing that. Mm. Again, not as much, not as uh, not as punch you in the not, mouth, not as aggressively as, yeah. as some of those tend to do. But yeah, it's, it is very, very Moorish. Hitting the spot. Yeah, I wish I'd bought several more of those. Well, I may yet. I'm, I may go and look more into Alesmith because I think we've done an Alesmith beer before. Like the name rings a bell, but I don't. It Probably, it's also it just like a, a... It doesn't come to mind. I mean, I could just quickly look if we've done an Alesmith beer before. I don't know how quickly that's going to be. I'm just going to type in Hey Brew Alesmith. I wonder, yeah. I wonder how good our SEO is, if that's going to work. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, poor, <laughs> because our podcast name is alarmingly close to the word Hebrew. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I'm going to type in Alesmith because... That'll help. Um... It'll pull out the podcast descriptions. Yes. Yes. We have not. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, I've just drank a few of them. Yeah. But um yeah, I think I think they're great. I think they're um 
a great brewery um, just making like real solid beer. Okay. I think everything I've had by them has just been kind of spot on. Yeah. I'm never like, wow, fuck, that's kind of crazy or anything. Yeah. Um, but they make they just make some really solid IPAs and stuff. Okay. They've got a fair bit of it in purpose. Yeah, cool. I'll have, yeah. to, I'll have to check it out. It, it kind of, like the way you just described them um, and characterized the brewery, it seems like the way we would talk about a, a capital or mm. um, Moondog or Three Ravens. It's like, yeah, maybe every now and then they get something that is like, wow, this is amazing, but they've just got also just a stable of really, really good, consistent beers. Yeah, I should probably try more of that stuff to see if there's any more mad shit out there. But yeah, everything I've tried, I've enjoyed from yeah. San Diego, get it in Australia, at Purvis en masse. So can't cool. really complain. I think you can get Ale Smith in some Dan's as well. Yeah, Dan's is getting, uh, sorry, Dan Murphy's, um, not uh, Dan Andrews, um, as much as he wants us to get on the beers. Um, yeah, they they seem to be obviously pushing more into that market because they've lagged it's a bit. lucrative as well. Yes. Um, and they, they get stuff like, uh, uh, a friend of mine kept telling me about Voodoo Ranger. I mean, they're owned by, like, they're owned by some like big yeah, brand fact, I, now. Yeah, uh, got bought by... I forget who. Yeah. Um, but like Dan Andrews, it's fucking funny. Dan Andrews, Dan Murphy's, um, I'm pretty sure it's like the only place you can buy it in Australia. No, the, the, so the distribution in Australia of Voodoo Rangers started, um, it's ramped up quite a bit okay. recently. Okay. Um, since I think it's Asahi that bought them. Yeah. Who so owns CUB. Yeah. Um, they're owned by something. But anyway, um, I was looking around, I was like, it seems hard to find. And then it just started showing up in, in Dan Murphy's listings. I was like, okay. The okay. tangerine one is particularly nice. Mm. I, I, I'm a big fan of their branding. Yeah. And, and they're also like pretty active online. They're like sponsoring Twitch streamers and they've got, a, they've got a cool they're very, company. They're very savvy about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from 0.394 pale mm. to today's topic, mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about, numbers specifically number stations number stations are shortwave radio stations that were first discovered during world war one but they really kind of came to prominence during the cold war and uh long after in fact essentially to broadcast character by (laughs) essentially it is a broadcast very good characterized by a repeated pattern of numbers um sometimes on set schedules or time patterns and is this just like a dude reading it out well um i will come to that okay um so yeah many of the stations would have uh time patterns and schedules but some of them would have no real pattern and just broadcast at sort of random times sure so um usually the content would be a synthesized or phase shifted voice Mm-hmm. reading out a pattern of numbers. But it was also pretty common to hear um, phase shift keying or frequency shift keying. Uh, do you know, you're a, you're a, you're a tech guy and, and a sound guy. Do you yep. know what they are? I No. Okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure I will get it when you explain it to me because I understand what all those words kind of mean on their own. Okay. But not that like that. You'd be pleased to hear, I, you're going to get it anyway because this is an extremely simple concept, but it's basically okay. using using a method of transmitting data through digital modulation. So it's data sure. delivered via sound. Okay, so is this, so I know like, uh, what is it? Uh, is it audiograms or, um, or, I don't know if audiograms is the right word, but like when you, when you like embed images into the waveform of a piece of audio, 
for example like the doom soundtrack has pentagrams and shit in it if you look at it in a certain visualization oh uh, i i no, not so much that it's more just using um tones to mm-hmm. um specific set of tones that when i guess like interpreted by specific receivers can can interpret that as data right so it's like a, a coding like an encoding system yeah right it's it, it's i think a good example of something like that is like a touch tone phone yep because you don't the if it's like dial one for such and such yeah it's not picking up the number one it's picking up that beep as opposed to beep 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 yeah there's, so there's like set kind of pitches to exactly them. right yeah, yeah gotcha gotcha um it's also pretty common on these number stations to hear morse code right um so while a fair few of them are still running a lot of them seem to be have taken over by new operators in these days Mm -hmm. and um it was quite uh, a big thing in the 1980s for ham radio enthusiasts to monitor stations both for fun and as part of their hobby um i will add the 1980s while we see things like new york and miami and la and london and then the 80s look cool a lot of the world wasn't those places and it was quite boring so listening to radio state radio waves was a fun time yeah that being said on the my afternoon at work i sat and listened to a lot of number stations so you just like had this playing in the background yep okay it's kind of therapeutic man it's just like white noise kind of stuff a little bit yeah a little bit um so what the fuck I guess. Uh, sure. Yep. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, from what I've told you already, you can probably potentially make uh, guesses, but it's pretty much the accepted truth that these number stations are methods of communication by governments to spies undercover behind enemy lines. Yeah, because when, when you say shortwave radio stations, that yeah. generally means like it's not traveling a great distance, right? So, um, Okay, so... Actually, no, because it's short. It's short wave. It's not anything to do with distance. It's it's the actual well, the, the, the wave wave form. Wavelength. Uh, yes. I'm I'm struggling to remember this from my like electronics so, course in high school. So so long wave. It's just a flatter wave. Yeah. So curve, yeah. So, and then so there's a much a much yeah, yeah. So that's wavelength. So they're in a. I want to say higher frequency band. Uh, not necessarily. I don't think. I think because if they're shorter waves, you got you pack more in, so it's a higher frequency. Yeah. Fuck. This is such a long time ago. Yeah. But it it, it doesn't mean that they're not um, audible long distances. Sure. Actually, quite the opposite. And you, okay. You, I'll come to it in a bit. But it's uh, yeah. These things are found all over the world. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. So like, I know that. Um, Actually, I was about to say I know that. I don't know that, so I'm not I'm not even gonna try. And okay. That is not even a hey brew. I know that. It's a, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically. So yeah, as I say, they, they were they were used by communication. They were readily accepted to be communication by governments to spies undercover behind enemy lines. Right. And this was actually even argued in a court case that that was the case. So much so that right. Like, okay. I say that that sounds kind of vague, but like in the article about it it's like and even in one court case i was like that's very specific to mention that yeah because usually when i have heard about number stations it's like one of those internet mystery kind of things of like everybody's got their theories 
Um, you might find a random YouTube video mm-hmm. that is like trying to stitch things together. Yeah, so, and so that's I, kind of it. That's exactly right. Yeah, so there are there are definitely of something of interest both back in the day and now. Mm. So I'll come to that in a little bit. But okay. the general consensus, as I say, is that it was an encrypted message and it uses something called a one-time pad. Mm-hmm. So I'm really boring, and I find, as we sort of discovered last week, I'm interested in like Cold War espionage. <laughs> yeah. Um, Last week. It was two weeks ago. Well, I would have. Last episode. Thank there you. you. Go. Last yeah. time on Hebrew. <laughs> Last time on Hebrew. There you go. Ah, my leg. Oh, I'm dying. What? <laughs> what is this? Me recreating the incident that we talked about. Oh. <laughs> is that an umbrella? My word, I feel ill. Anyway, after my job at the Beeb. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how he said it. After my job at the Beeb. Is that your, is that your Bulgarian? Sorry, no. Off to my job at the BBC. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, they use something called a one-time pad. Essentially, this is a single-use encryption method. Mm-hmm. And it uses something called modular addition. So, modular addition is wraparound addition. So, basically, you add one number to another number. And once it reaches a certain number, you start again. Okay. So, if you say the top number is, say, 12, like a clock. Yeah and you add 5 to 10, instead of it being 15, it's 3. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. It, it wraps around. Yeah, this, this, that relates to a bunch of stuff that is like in computer science that I, that I am familiar with. Perfect. That is not worth explaining now. That's fair enough. So, so <laughs> that makes f- for anyone listening that's not quite, not quite getting it, but like, if you, if you literally think of it as a clock face, this is the best way to do it, is to imagine that 12 is the highest number in modular yeah. edition. It's not, but in this instance. Yeah. And if you already had... 10 and you added 2 you would reach 12 but if you added 3 instead of it being 13 it would start all over again from 0 and go to 1 yeah you're basically saying that your number system has a maximum value yeah it has an upper ceiling at which point it just wraps all the way around to the beginning yes. again yeah um, so using one time pads if the following conditions are met so the first of one is the key must be random mm-hmm. so the, the, the like the, the decryption uh, like the key you use to decode the message if that is random and it often uses a hardware based random number generator to be purely random rather mm-hmm. than a computerized one the key must be as long as the message you are trying to decode the plain text okay the key must never be reused in whole or in part and this fourth one i think is really fucking stupid but the key must be kept completely secret well like Okay. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> if those four conditions are met, it is impossible to break the code. I don't... Mm. Mathematically impossible. It's been uh, proven mathematically okay, okay. impossible. Because that, like, when you're dealing with, like, maths, computer science, code breaking... Yeah. It's never impossible. It's usually unfeasible. It, it Like, you know, when you deal with, like, a long enough password with enough variation in it, it might take billions of years to break but it's possible so, so but the way the way that it the way that it's oh my god i'm really going to struggle to explain this here because i don't really know very well myself but because it well, uses modular addition mm-hmm. and there's an infinite number of numbers in that module mm-hmm. it could go all the way around it doesn't have to be a nine a, a, a ten digit module yeah um and then because you can use as many numbers as you like to be part of a string and then because um, they are truly randomized. So you basically like, let's, instead of being like A equals one, 
B equals two, that kind of simple key. Mm -hmm. It's like A equals six, six equals X plus Y, and Y equals another number added to a modular key. I don't think we need to do this. All I'm saying is I'm skeptical. Fair enough. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm only telling you what I know because you yeah, said yeah, it was yeah. mathematically impossible. Because, yeah, right. it's just it's just layers upon layers upon layers. And it's sure. just, but yeah. So the details in the broadcast can be decrypted using a specific one-time pad. And the one-time pad is this key that you have written down on paper that tells you how to decode it. Right. You use it once, you burn it, you eat it, you flush it on the toilet, whatever it takes to destroy it. Sure. Yep. Um, so... As evidence for this being the purpose of number stations, number stations have been known to produce non-scheduled broadcasts coinciding with extraordinary events. Okay. So, for example, I don't know this. In 1991, there was an attempted coup in the Soviet Union by communist hardliners who were not happy with the dissolution of the Soviet Union by Mikhail Gorbachev. Okay. I, I attempt- mean, obviously, I didn't know that. I was two. Well, I mean, I mean, I wasn't around for World War Two either, but I'm familiar with it. But like, yeah. this feels like the kind of thing I feel like we should have known. Yeah, but then again, like, Didn't I never worked. I, it, I well, I never did that much history or anything in school, so like, I don't even know that much about the Soviet Union, for example. Fair play. Yeah. All right, well, put the mics down. Let's get started. Well, let me go order some books. <laughs> order some takeaway because we're going to be here a while. Yeah, no, this feels like like when you're talking about like Soviet Union, Cold War, spies. I'm like, I don't want to look this up on the internet. I want to pour over some books in a dimly lit room. Yeah. And just like drink coffee until two in the morning. Make a string board. Yes. <sighs> yes. Anyway, so there was this coup in 1991 and they, um, several number stations just broadcast like out of schedule. Okay. So ones that had been broadcasting on the hour or on the half hour for years. Sure, sure. Just suddenly like, boom, out of nowhere, just broadcast like yeah. rapid messages. It's like, okay, well, they're obviously reacting to that news. Yeah. So that's why people think that's pretty good evidence to say that, okay, well, they're obviously delivering messages to people behind enemy lines. Gotcha. Um, essentially, if you're a spy and you know to tune into a specific frequency at a certain time of day, at that point, you'll hear a series of numbers or maybe even several batches of numbers. Mm-hmm. You take a note of these and then you turn to your one-time pad. You decode them to get your message, update, or your instructions. And using high-frequency radio stations, even at low-power signals, um, excuse me, even at low power, signals can be transmitted around the world if conditions are okay. correct. Well, there you go. Well, conditions can be it can be affected by things yeah. like sunspots. It can be affected by other competing heavy yeah. radio stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the thing is that while they're low, uh, high frequency, low power is what you're saying. Yeah, and because they're short wave, um, they can be, they're not the strongest signal, so they can yeah. be easily interrupted, but they can yeah. go long distance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and there'll be, like, radiation from all sorts of things because it's all just electromagnetic radiation. Exactly right, right. yeah. So this is the other thing is, like, you know, things like the sun can affect it. So Yes, yeah. or, like, cosmic microwave background radiation, yeah. probably. I don't know. And and But the arrays that they use to, to broadcast these number stations, people think they found certain ones, mm. and they're ginormous. They're not, like... Yeah. It's like a... Like a Morse code Yeah, like a single, like, tower. Yeah. These are, like, multiple... dishes. Um, they tend to be what are called curtain arrays, which is like when they have um, one massive tower mm. with a string, with like a, a cross beam and then loads of things hanging from it. All right. Or they tend to be like several towers all p- packed together in like right, a small, right. small space. Small okay. space. Yes. Um, 
Uh, so many, many of the number stations broadcast noises such as buzzes and beeps to retain their claim on the frequency band. Because if it's not used, yeah, people repurpose it. Yeah, like uh, radio authorities will say, like, well, that's a blank frequency that no one's using. We'll give it to someone else. Yeah, yeah, because there's all sorts of like licensing around how you use different parts of the frequency band. Exactly right. Yeah, which is kind of mad. Well, there's um, only so much of it, and you can only break it up so many times. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like these clandestine, potentially clandestine things that we're like, well, you haven't you haven't used it in a while, so we're going to give it to this guy who's got a pirate radio station in Lithuania. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, generally, stations follow a particular, uh, pretty standard format, excuse me. Um, they generally play their messages every hour or every 30 minutes, mm-hmm. usually with an introductory sound uh, or other form of um, what, we, what they call a call-up to announce that the broadcast is about to begin. So on yeah. the hour, you might hear something like, Radio alphabet like Charlie, India, Oscar, 250, 250, 250, 690, oblique, 54, and then the message. Right. Uh, alternatively, they might use a characteristic phrase. They might say, Achtung, or read a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, It's zero. just kind of a marker to say, like, start listening now. Yeah, that's right. Or yeah. my favorite one, which is just, ready? Ready? Which I just think is like... <laughs> Sounds like some running shit. around looking for a pen. Sounds like, like if you had a like very energetic racing video game, and like you remember from like uh, probably from our childhood, it'd be like, "Ready, let's go!" Like yeah, that kind like of wave racer. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called like oh, Sega Rally? Yes, exactly. Class. Um, often, uh, a really common thing to use was a, a musical sting. Okay, um, which we'll hear a bit of an example of later. Excuse me, later. Um, so sometimes an alphanumeric call up might indicate the nature or the priority of the broadcast. Okay. So they might use that to sort of um, say, okay, well, this is going to be instructions or this is going to be an update or this is going to be emergency. Or a shopping list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we need bread. We need milk. What's that bit on The Simpsons where it's like uh, Rex Banner, he's like, gets a telegram. It's like, you're needed in Springfield. Prohibition back. And then he's like, mm. and he looks at his telegrams and he moves the other one and says, Rex, Marjorie had puppies. Love, mum. Yeah. Mm, same reaction. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So you know uh, they use this uh, call up to indicate the nature, and then that usually repeats for a short while before the message itself is then broadcast. Yeah. So after this, usually the message is delivered as a series of numerical strings, usually four, five, or six digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, the message having been delivered, the station would broadcast a closing message, usually just end or something similar in the appropriate language. Fin. Correct. Yeah. That's quite common, honestly. Okay. Uh, I imagine in joined up letters, you know. Yeah, cursive with a yeah. full stop at the end. Yeah, that yeah, you can right. clearly tell through listening to it. Yeah. All French is like that. Fuck. Have you ever listened to... And the French, no. No. Uh, very old comedian, Victor Borg. I've heard the name. Yeah. he. This is like this one bit that he used to do that my parents always just played when I was a kid and it's like burn into my memories this bit around phonetic punctuation this is why I know this because you've talked about this before on the okay. pod okay yeah fin think- and then like a f to indicate the full stop yeah that, that that's a long walk for a shit joke <laughs> it's good times I think we made fun of it this was back in your Northgate house yes second one of them yeah yes I was thinking that we've recorded in so many locations yes we have what a fun backstory back uh, what's I'm looking for behind the scenes look yes. for you all I'm going to guess six different locations. Seven? I think four. Well, I've had... Well, Five. I, well, I'd, I've lived in three different places in Northcote that we've recorded at. We've recorded at two of my places. Yep. Yeah. Now here. Wait, 
Three places in North No, Kirk. two. Sorry. Yeah. Three um, places and two of mine. Yes. Yes. And now here. And I'm trying to think if we've done anywhere else. No. No, you've been into two places in North Kirk. Yes. So five. Yeah. Yes. Good. We got there. This will stay in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to bother. <laughs> so. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> hey, we're talking about numbers stations. We have to get the numbers right. So. <laughs> I have prepared some examples okay. to have a listen to. So, the first one is this, we... Is this just in a Spotify playlist? Maybe. <laughs> so, the first one is EO3 Lincolnshire Poacher. So, Lincolnshire <laughs> Poacher was thought to be broadcast by MI6. Okay. Um, and seemingly comes from RAF uh, Akrotiri from in Cyprus. And it's estimated to have started broadcasting in the 1970s. I'm going to play a little bit first and then just finish what I'm saying. Yes. So, you'll hear a musicals thing. Yeah. And then you'll hear the numbers. I'm not going to hold it in my crotch. I'm going to hold it away. <laughs> Where is it? Where's the sound? Forgot to unmute. <clears throat> Where's the sound, Elliot? Where's the sound? Where is it? So that's that's an example of the Lincolnshire Poacher, and you can kind of get that's a pretty right. good example of an archetypal number station. Yeah, you know, there's a musical sting. Yep, you would have heard more of like it. Sounds like an ice cream van. Yep. Um, so it's an old English folk song called the Lincolnshire Poacher. Oh right, okay. Um, that's why that, that the name the Lincolnshire Poacher is given to it by enthusiasts. Right. Okay. I thought I thought there might have been some code name or something. No. So all of these are all just names that enthusiasts have given them. Right. Um, but <laughs> then enthusiasts. You, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, I now count myself amongst them. Yeah, I love numbers. Um, and then, yeah, as you heard, like um, a string of obviously, very obviously, either synthesized or mm. a um, a like slightly shifted voice. Yeah, or, or it sounds like the kind of things that get put into like uh, what is it, an IVR system when you call up like the automated voice response. Hundred percent. Um, in a phone menu, like press one for this. It's all yeah. like or word. a speaking clock. Yeah, but it's like all words and snippets that have just been programmed to be played in a certain order to make a sentence. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then she repeats the numbers a few times. She'll then go on to repeat another string of numbers, and then another string of numbers, and then she'd be like, "End of transmission." Uh, oh, there's not like a different audio jingle at the end. Not to my recollection. Damn. So the just, link- just some some sick garage. Throw some two step in there, maybe some jungle. <laughs> it goes straight into super sharp, super sharp shooter, which yeah. is an absolute banger of a song. Yeah. Um, so, Lincolnshire Poacher actually stopped broadcasting in two thousand and eight. Wait, when they started in the seventies? Yes. Said? Fucking hell! All right. Um, at which point it was taken over by a sister station. Okay. Called Cherry Ripe. Hey, like the chocolate bar. This station was based out of Humpty Doo in Northern Territory. <laughs> Hang on. It's a funny name. It's a place called Humpty Doo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's Australia, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's very silly names. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, it basically that sh- Lincoln Poacher Lincoln shut down and it seemingly was taken over. Uh, the, the broadcast was taken over by 
um, Cherry Ripe. Right. Cherry Ripe plays a... Advertisement um, for Cadbury. No, they play, <laughs> they play a a jingle because um, the the song Cherry Ripe is based on a on a real. So the name of Cherry Ripe is based on a little folk song. Oh, all right. Um, so you say the song is based on the chocolate? No, I, I don't. I don't have. I mean, I might have Cherry Ripe here, um, but I didn't queue it up yeah. because I'm an idiot. Oh well, moving on. Um, <laughs> so moving on now. Um, we're going to look at, um, I believe it's the PIP. Let me just double check. Sorry, I'm having to jump between windows here, so I apologize. Oh, yeah. So the PIP. Uh, this one features uh, repeated beeps and occasional voice messages. This one looks to be managed by the Russian Armed Forces and first started transmitting in, transmitting in 1985. Okay. Um, the PIP, um, I think, is quite interesting for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that it's actually still transmitting today. Wow. So, um, let me grab it up. Okay, I don't have the pip. Now I feel like a silly boy. <laughs> Just load it up live. It's still transmitting. I mean, that is a really good point, but that doesn't <laughs> seem... Oh, Connet, that's why. Connet, pip. probably see where this is going a lot of beeps um if the quality sounds bad um that's just how they sound right like this yeah. isn't this isn't crap recording on our part like yeah the normal stations do just sound a bit crap i mean they sound like you've recorded a radio well yeah but also like um the other side of that is that um the radio itself give me one second yeah no worries so yeah, like don't forget that the radio signal um, that they're actually using to um, sort of record from—that's mm. going to be a, a slightly dodgy signal. It's being sent from yeah. like well, Russia, ostensibly. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, as a result of as we've sort of said, you know, these can get um, can get interfered with quite a lot, and yes. you know, it can obviously degrade the signal. Yes. Um, the next one I want to play for you is the squeaky wheel. Um, All right. Really an exciting name. <laughs> I'm into it, though. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, not this one. Okay. so-called the squeaky wheel because it sounds like oh i thought it just sounded like a really annoying emergency vehicle siren you would be correct sir um <laughs> i mean i didn't name them as you can okay. tell um so the squeaky wheel is actually in my opinion quite interesting for a number of different reasons but oh my god this makes me sound really fucking weird um that one started broadcasting actually in 2000 and it finished in 2008 Okay. So pretty modern. Yeah. Uh, again, thought to be Russian military. But you know, the thing that about the squeaky wheel that is particularly interesting is that one time in an um, in a broadcast of the PIP, the one we listened to previously, yes, it was possible to hear the squeaky wheel in the background. What? 
which indicates that it's probably being transmitted from the same location. Sure. Okay. So people could hear the yeah. beep, beep in the background, just very quietly. It was like, well, what, what? the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's super weird. Yeah. Um, and this is the last one I want to play as an example, which is Swedish Rhapsody, which I'll be honest with you, Mike, I'm playing because it's creepy as fuck. Oh, yes. Um, and you know me, you know I like things that are creepy as fuck, especially when they're creepy as fuck for no reason. So <laughs> I'm just going to... Oh, I'm sure there's a reason. Skip to two minutes and 34, which is when it's... So it plays part of a classical music sting called the Swedish Rhapsody. Okay. And I think it's creepy as fuck because it's in Swedish, to be honest with you. Yeah, that is kind of unsettling. Yeah, your face was like probably like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, I was just imagining like if I was watching a horror movie or playing some video game and that was just like happening in the background, I would so, be losing my shit. That's really interesting to say that because I was listening to the Swedish Rhapsody earlier because again, I'm losing my mind. Mm. Um, and I, it, I could, it felt like that could be quite easily a quite uh, central tenet of a horror movie. Yeah, without I mean, any difficulty. I mean, like spooky unknown radio broadcasts is a bit of a trope. Um, yeah, but just like that had everything about it, where it's like I don't understand what's being said. The audio quality sucks. It's like de- it's like shifting in and out of in tune. The melody sounds like yeah. it's a music box sitting yeah. in front of a microphone that isn't good. Um, I also thought that yeah made it equally yeah so that, like, like sinister that kind of sound effect applied over i think it's either a phaser or a flanger but yep. it like is just it's a weird kind of way to manipulate the the sound um but yeah very unsettling stuff really unsettling yeah and oh god it's so there was yep. a podcast series that I listened to recently called The Lovecraft Investigations. Mm-hmm. It's a three-series podcast. Each series is about six, seven episodes. And it's uh, modern reimagining of Lovecraftian tales, three Lovecraftian tales. and Without uh, all the racism? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, his stories didn't really include that much of it. Anyway, but it was in the BBC. And mm. um, I recommend it. It was really interesting. It was really good and very sinister. Mm. And um, number stations actually played a bit of a part in the second season. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was... uh, Honestly, the Lovecraft Investigations, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Right. Um, So I'm going to tell you now, I got all those recordings except for the squeaky wheel because for some reason I couldn't find it on there just Mm. then from a thing called the Connet Project. Okay. So the Connet Project, full name, the Connet Project, recordings of shortwave number stations, was a five-disc box set of number stations first released in 1997 and contains 176 recordings of number stations. 
That is such a wild thing. And that is what I've been listening to today. Yeah, because like, I, I remember, and I'll probably get this wrong, the number station UVB76 or something like that. There was one, there was one specific one that I remember maybe early 2000s, maybe towards the, towards like 2010, like when I was starting to get on the internet a bit more. Um, that was one that like, for some reason people just were listening to and like expecting to hear something because it was just a, one of those that you could listen to over the internet as it was broadcasting. Um, Hmm. I can't find it on Connet. No, it like might I, be on there. I honestly like might have that wrong. It just well, there's an artist called UVB76, so that okay. kind of maybe checks out. Yeah, um, but the fact that they've released a fucking box set of recordings from these stations and that happened in the '90s, that yeah, that's wild. Because I I was just assumed based on the fact that like. I only ever saw these oh. random bits here and there on the internet that it was just some like it was some hoax or it was some like publicity stunt or something like that but the fact that that was done in the 90s would have taken real work uvb 76 has been broadcasting since the 1970s and right. it's commonly known in these um circles as the buzzer yes oh you've got it that's it Yeah, and there would I be know like I got the name from, <laughs> um, but I think there would also be like random snippets of like a man's voice in there saying yeah. some shit in Russian. Yeah, so they had three different kinds of. Um, oh my god, I read about this last I night, can't and I, I just couldn't think of a way of to it. work it in. <laughs> no, I'm very impressed. I couldn't think of a way to work this in last night when I was writing this. Yeah, because um, I was, I was like, I'm not going to include the number station bits themselves, and yeah. then I was like, no, we should. So I went in last night, and I was like, I'm going to write those in. Okay. Oh, I went deep, man. Uh, yeah, I bet. Like, I was already pretty deep in the hole with these. And then I was like, I'm going to revisit it and add the actual examples yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain. Good God. Um, so they had Monolith, Uzor, and Commander, uh, which were the three different types of voice messages, three different types of formats. And yeah, man, it's like um, Monolith, they'd give a message block and then a load of numbers and letters and then occasionally uh, you would hear there's 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 been occasions where there was a transmission and then you heard someone talking in the background to someone else oh really yeah um and oh man it's so like there was occasional broadcast where it didn't follow the format of any other broadcast they'd ever Mm. done um like 2010 Several unusual broadcasts were observed. These included portions of the buzzer being replaced with extracts of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, and in one instance, a sound that resembled a woman screaming. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Good, thanks. <laughs> good one. I'm good out here. Yeah. <laughs> so, over time, the Connet project was sampled by numerous recording artists, including Wilco for Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Okay. Um, we were promised jetpacks for these four walls, which I was listening to last week, interestingly yeah. enough. Yeah. And it was also sampled in the movie Vanilla Sky. I've, I've never seen that. Nah, no idea. Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. 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 Would they, you might not have the answer to this, would they have to pay like some sort of fee or royalty for sampling something like that? Nope. <laughs> 
who are they going to pay it to? I don't know. The Russian government. So actually, that 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 I guess comes to my conclusion, which is a two-part conclusion. Okay. So, again, one of the things I'm really into is um, espionage stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but classified activities tend to have an expiration date. Yes. Yeah. And then you get like a big wave of documents. Everybody's like, oh, shit. Yeah. MK Ultra was actually a thing. It just wasn't quite what people thought. So to, to give you, I was like, well, why don't we go through very quickly some of the CIA's greatest hits that oh, have been boy. declassified in recent years? I think... We have done bits and pieces of this before on episodes. Some of them have definitely I, come up. I would up. love to hear you just run down the list. Project Iceworm. An attempt to build a mobile, mobile nuclear missile launcher under the Greenland ice sheet. Incredible. MK Ultra, which we've established before, but is an in-depth project ostensibly researching mind control or advanced interrogation techniques, depending on who you believe. Yep. The existence of Area 51. Mm-hmm. Operation Paperclip, a U.S. government program to secure Nazi rocket scientists after World War II to keep them out of the hands of the Soviets, you know, instead of prosecuting them for all the war crimes. Oops. Yeah. Uh, if the, 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 <laughs> We could use that. Pretty much. Yeah. The great line in Archer, which is, um, oh, where do you think all those rocket scientists came from after the war? Jesus, you should have seen, if you walked through NASA in the 70s and hailed Harlow Hitler, you should have seen people jump. <laughs> Fuck. Um, and then another one was referenced in Archer. Archer, actually quite a smart and well-researched show. Okay. Um, Operation Gladio, which was essentially funding and organizing right-wing, uh, including fascist groups in Europe during the 60s and 70s, specifically in Italy, to harass, commit terrorist acts, massacre and torture left-wing parties to stop any sniff of communism taking hold in the country. And now they're doing that in America today. Yeah. So the CIA literally stayed in um, Italy, Switzerland, and a few other places after the war, funded new fascists after killing the ones that were already there yeah. so that communists wouldn't take power. Man, fuck America. Yep. Jesus Christ. Get your shit together. Leave everyone alone. All of that has been declassified. Right. All of that. Yeah. But given all of that, not a single government has ever taken responsibility for a running of a numbers station. Yeah. Not one has ever said, yeah, we did that during the Cold War. I mean, War. it's pretty easy to deny that. It'd but I like, mean, it's just gibberish. If you listen to this shit, everybody pretty much knows what they are yeah. and what they're for. Yeah. And no government has ever said, yeah, that was us. But and no government has ever declassified a document that says, oh, this is how we communicate with people back in the day. Yeah. But, but like, you know, when you, I think you said before, like it's sort of widely accepted, but what is that? Like, what's the logic that they've used to get there? What evidence are they pointing to? Well, so there's, there's a couple of different things. Um, so the closest we ever actually got was in 1998 when the British Department of Trade and Industry, who were responsible for many, for for uh, monitoring and licensing airwaves, mm-hmm. um, said, "quote These are what you suppose they are. People shouldn't be mystified by them." They are not for, shall we say, public consumption. Okay. So sort of a wink and a nod kind of statement. Yeah. But the other reason is they're still a really, really, really good way of doing what they do. Yeah. Because computers can be hacked. Yes. Images can be intercepted. Mm -hmm. But with a one-time pad being completely unbreakable, Mm -hmm. as we've sort of argued over, yeah. a number station is still completely completely foolproof if no one has if no one has the pad. Yeah. So you can still use it. Yeah, right. But okay. as a result, nobody truly knows what they're for. Mm. 
Yes. So I'm going to tell you about one last one as my final conclusion. Okay. In 2004, a number station popped up in New Mexico. It broadcast over a single frequency, then moves up to a higher frequency, broadcasts again. Does it again, and again, and again, for a total of two minutes. Begins seven seconds after the stroke of an hour. Okay. And it keeps doing this. So, the broadcast features a 0.8 second data burst, followed by a recording of Yosemite Sam. (laughs) The cartoon man. Yes. The cartoon cowboy man. Yes. (laughs) The rootin' tootin' shootin' man. I'm going to play you a little bit of this. (laughs) Okay. Transmission lasts for two minutes in total. <laughs> Shut up, Yorkshireman. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, which is like a digital yeah. audio data dump. And yeah. then it's, I'm going to blow you out of smithereens. Right. Next frequency. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. For two minutes. Okay. So two radio enthusiasts track down the source to something called the Mobility Assessment and Testing, excuse me, Mobility Assessment Test and Integration Center. All right. Matkey, which was a factory owned by a company called Laguna Industries, which is a private military contractor. Sure. For people that don't know what that is, that is a mercenary, basically. Yeah. Like whether they're builders or whether they're, you know, manufacturers or whatever, one of the things that they do is they make and produce usually arms or something like that but they also usually train soldiers to take part in private military activities. Yeah. Great. So the pair tracked this down to this place. They took a couple of photos of the compound Mm -hmm. and the antennas that they found there. And they fled when they were approached by security, kind of understandably. Yeah, I was expecting this to take a turn. Three hours later, the broadcast ceased and never returned. And Laguna Industries removed all reference to uh, the mobility assessment uh, Matic from their website. All right. They completely expunged any record of it. Yeah. Just because these two guys took some photos of it. Great. Yep. Super cool. Not anything weird happening here, guys. Very cool and normal. Yep. Yep. Heaps. Heaps good. Love that. Yep. For us. Matt, I was half expecting you to say those guys are dead a day later. No, I, 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 God, I hope not. Yeah. Um, and that is the incredibly creepy, but alarmingly soothing world of number stations. Good God. I don't want to end on a sad note. I'm so. In- here's a song. <laughs> what? This message. <laughs> Will self-destruct. At the, at the end of the episode, it just goes... Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> as much as I think... End that would, message. I think, as much as I think that'd be funny, I'm not going to do that. It'll make me uncomfortable. Hey, Brew is a 66-part encrypted message. <laughs> Could you imagine if this, like, for some reason, I had thought to do a long con to embed some shit in our waveforms that people could decode, and it I don't even know what it would be. It would just be... A link to is it too early to start drinking.com. 
<laughs> it's it's just a link to purvisbeer.com.au. Yeah, we should stop name dropping them. We're not paid. <laughs> nah, but they always sort us out. They do. They are very good. And we get most of our beer from there because they're now, very reliable. Nowadays, especially now that they're very local for me. Yeah. Because before it used to be, I went to Carlin Cellars. Yeah. <laughs> we should go back up there sometime. We should. Um, all right. Yeah, that, that's been like rather unsettling, but also very intriguing, which is... Hey, just, way. just a classic mix of this thing kind of scares me, but also I definitely want to know more. I think that's the most fun thing about it is yeah. that like it is, as you say, pretty unsettling. Mm. Like it's fascinating and it's probable. I mean, it's most likely that what we've sort of discussed today is exactly what it's for. Yeah. And what it's about. Yeah. But it's also the fact that no one has ever kind of figured it out. Yeah. Or like, or like, uh, not proven it, but like shown it clearly enough that like that is actually what they're for. Yeah. I mean, you haven't even had defectors or anything or former yeah. spies saying that's what it, that's it, right? Like a lot, it a lot of things eventually come out, come out. Like you look at things like the Panama papers and things like that. Like, yeah, yeah. That didn't result in any global change or anything, but no, all that happened was the journalist that broke the story was killed in an assassination. Yes. Right. But like <laughs> that kind of shit tends to stay hidden because people powerful people want it to stay hidden but eventually yeah it gets out so it's it's strange it's, it's strange that of, of not a single government has ever said that's what they're for yeah since world war one because yeah. the other thing as well is radio is old yeah well, well the other thing as well is like i say it's not like they can do anything about it mm. because you can't stop people from listening to radio yeah and you can't you can't break the codes yeah, and like, like you can't really shut down someone transmitting radio. They're not in the front. No, no, because they're always in their sovereign country. Yeah, yeah. So like, that just makes it so much creepier. Yeah, there's something about the 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 the, the, the entire denial, which makes it. I don't know that that just makes it really freaky to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You want to start a number station? Kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be super easy to... Tune into 69420.fm. No, it'd be 0.394. Well, yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, started out really badly that we clearly had no idea about how radios work. <laughs> that's fine. I don't think that's important. I think we got to the good bits quickly enough. <laughs> the good bits. You know. The bit in the middle of Hebrew where we've had enough you know, beer. The sex. <laughs> um, where we've had enough beer and the story is mostly there. The Hebrew way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I don't really have a follow-up-y question-y thing. I mean, no, you kind of did your two-part conclusion. Yeah. That's, that's in place of that, I guess. Yeah, I thought creepy story, probably a better way to end it. Yes. Yeah. Very fitting, too. Mm. Um, well, if you liked any of that, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a great uh, time for the family. Yeah. Uh, you can tune in to Hey Brew on social media. Yes. Um, good. Uh, Longwave Hey Brew Podcast. That's at Hey Brew Podcast on all the social medias except TikTok and the shit ones. Yeah. If somebody's on TikTok as Hey Brew Podcast, I, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. What audience are they? Maybe we're massive on TikTok. People using our audio as TikToks. Sure. I'll be up for that. I yeah. find that very amusing. Yeah, I'm having an identity crisis about that, but let's keep moving. Yeah. We're on Weibo as well. What is that? Weibo is kind of like um, um, 
Quite tough for Chinese people. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> that makes it sound weird. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. they can't access Twitter. The internet in China is kind of weird. It's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, your thing. The emails. My thanks to emails. Yes. Hello at Hebrew.zone is an email address you can use if you want to send us uh, anything at all, including recommendations for just number anything. stations. Just anything. Um, transmissions you've picked up while scrolling the airwaves. If you want to hear a mad transmission that's been picked up, you should look up The Lost Cosmonaut. Okay. Maybe I will. That is a little Easter egg for the two of you that listen to the end of the episode. Yeah. Me. And, and you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, yes, there's also Hebrew.zone, a very real, not conspiratorial website, which has all of our information about the show. It's so real, we barely put any effort in. Hey, I put that thing together. It's there. Didn't you? It's just a template you just filled in. Yeah, basically, but I still had to write the words that show up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but, Mike. But there's uh, there's links there to all of our episodes. You can listen to them in the web browser if you're so inclined. There's links to all of the podcast providers that we show up on that mm-hmm. I'm aware of that I could set up an integration for. Uh, that's kind of everything. Don't listen on the on the website. That's pointless. Hey, I'm not going to tell you how to how to get your podcasts. If that's if that's I what am. works for you, <laughs> go nuts. But there are certainly easier ways to do it. I want you to use Parcast. What is that? Don't answer that. Actually, I think that's a podcast service, okay. not a podcast thing. You know, okay. like like Gimlet, whatever. Yeah, um, leave us rates and reviews and likes wherever you get those podcasts. Yes, except please. obviously on our website. I mean, if you're there, we already assume you like us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell someone in between, tell your local uh, brewery staff member. They might, I don't know, have adjacent interest to us. That reminds me, I'd like to thank the good people at um, Hopheads who helped me pick out a beer, which is we deemed wildly inappropriate, even though it's sat in my car right now, which was a Russian Imperial Stout by um, Adroit Theory. I'm okay. sorry to tell you that I deprived you of an Adroit Theory beer today. That's Because fine. it's a 30 degree day and I didn't think a uh, Russian Imperial Stout would yeah. be a good idea. Yeah, probably not. Although we could have cranked this aircon up and then just, say, just done it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, that was a really nice beer, and I kind of wish I bought more. Yeah, um, you still could probably I still can. I don't know. Might can't. Um, <laughs> oh, tomorrow's the first day of the beer advent calendars. Yes, and you know Fuck. any advent I, calendar, yeah. and I guess Christmas season, but whatever. Yeah. Um, alongside of that, I've been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers. Six. Nine, four, seven, two. Six, nine, four. Sorry, the beep made me to set me off. It's like why, Manchurian candidate. Why not six nine four two zero? The number I said before that is definitely funnier. Because it makes me think of Elon Musk and that guy's a twat. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I hate that guy. I wish he would go away. <laughs>